0: your clients ever ask you for tools tips and techniques well today we're going to talk about the ultimate tools and techniques doing enactments
1: welcome to the leading edge in emotionally focused therapy with your hosts dr james hawkins and dr ryan reyna eft is a dynamic model that humbles even the most seasoned therapists Together, we want to come alongside you as you continually push the leading edge of your understanding and application of this wonderful model developed by Dr. Sue Johnson.
0: Yeah, I I was one of what many therapists do. I don't mean any disrespect for this. The only person I'm making fun of is me here. But early in my career, I would give couples all kinds of resources, worksheets, I'm telling on myself here, I read this book, read this cool thing. You know, here's this forgiveness process. Here's this, you know, personal growth, work through this trauma, you know, with your trauma list and assessment. All those things are actually pretty good. Mm-hmm. Pretty good. But honestly, they're usually exits mm-hmm. when it comes to a relationship sitting in front of me asking mm-hmm. me to go a different direction. Because, you know, the ultimate tool, the ultimate technique, the ultimate homework is to do it right now. It doesn't make sense to go to a coach and a coach give you a video and have you go practice it somewhere else. If you go, if you're trying to go learn a skill, Mm -hmm. do it with the coach. And so experiential change, change happening right now with you in the room is the ultimate tool and technique. And the ultimate of that is doing enactments. They're the most important and least popular thing with clients in the world. So James, yeah. tell us about doing enactments.
2: Well, I want to just give credit once again to, I would say, just a, a man. I, I call him a mentor, but George is really a dear friend of ours. And- definitely um, uh, a valuable part of the EFT community. So I was with George at a, a master training out in Las Vegas. I want to thank Annabelle Bugatti in the Las, the Las Vegas EFT. I think it's Southern Nevada or something like that. I forgot their name. Y'all know who you are. really appreciate being with y'all. Great community out there. Thank Good job, Annabelle. And by the way, our friend Dr. Annabelle Bugatti, she released a book too recently as well.
0: She did check it out. We're super excited about it. I haven't gotten it yet. It's on. It's in the mail.
2: Yeah. What
0: is it? Relentless empathy and yeah,
2: something. Like relentless empathy. I can't remember. <laughs> That's I, I, I know she's our friend, but we. But you know what? I just. I, we even plan on doing this, but I. Repre- I really appreciate Annabelle doing that. It, relentless empathy and part of when I was reading the book description, that she even broadens. it. It's not just for in the clinical room, but we really. I think as we all know, and I. I normally don't talk about when we do our podcast, but we're doing this today on. January the seventh. If you're listening here in America, or probably anywhere around the world, our world is really struggling with empathy right now. <laughs> so the Annabelle's right. Relentless empathy is not just needed in the clinical room, but it's needed in, in our world. But anyway, sorry. Just wanted to get. We love giving props to pro- other people in our community. Um, you can pick her book up on Amazon, Doctor Annabelle Bugatti. Um, but anyway, I was working with George, and George is really focused on really helping clinicians. He doesn't want to make it robotic or formulaic. But what he's trying to do is get so specifically clear in training. It's almost like a good like this is where I'm being like Ryan. now. I'm going to a sports analogy here. You ready? It's almost like that coach that makes you practice reps in a sport of something that seems irrelevant. And they just make you go over and over and over. So that way when game time comes and the pressure hits, your body is just rhythmic reaction and you're just ready for it. You're not all in your head in the moment. And so George was talking about enactments in this master levels training, and he broke it down, not just enactments in general, but he went into how do you even set up the enactment, or pre-share is what he called it. What should you be looking for and doing during the share or the enactment? And what should you do right post after the enactment? And he gave kind of like what he's saying when he's watching his tapes with supervisees or his own tapes. He's looking for these different elements to make sure he's really being as clean as he possibly can. Not that no therapist has to do this every time to get every point to make every enactment perfect. He's just saying, I'm trying to be as clean as I can as often as I can. Right, increasing what Chad Imhoff, one of our supervisors, my my likelihood of success here. Right.
0: Let me back out just a minute and talk about why. Go ahead. The most powerful research on relationships says if a, if a couple, and it can be any couple. This could be a mother father, could be a married couple, could be two men, two women. It, it's this part is really universal. If a if a couple can repair their bond after a cycle happens, they will win. That's right. If they can't, they will lose. Losing may look different, but it's really all about repair. And that's what we're doing with enactments. That's right. Small repairs, tiny little repairs, mm-hmm. using enactments to get energy going, mm-hmm. all the way towards big bonding experiences. Just a quick story since we're talking sports, I'm sorry. <laughs> I, I used to be a pitching coach, baseball, if you're not a sports person. Um, in, in the US at least is, is pitching is a big deal. It's, it's hard. And I, and I worked a lot with college kids. And I'll never forget this, but I would regularly take college freshmen, they're 18, 19 year old males in front of other males. And I would start working on how they pitch and they would cry on the field in front of their male peers, which you just do not do. Like that's just culturally not appropriate. I mean, it is appropriate, but it's not done. Yeah. And they would cry regularly because I, it was so hard to change their habits. This is what we're up against. When having someone enact in a vulnerable way is so important, so difficult.
2: And I like that you said that, because now it's almost like we're being, the we, we, Ryan and I, we're not saying once again that we're perfect. If George were here, even though he came up with this, Even after I come with George and he comes out of alive, he'll say in this enactment, I missed this, I missed this, I missed this. I was able to do this, but he's running through this list in his head because he knows it so much, but not even George gets it 100% right. Not even his own list. Right. (laughs) Uh, So we just want to say we're on the pitching mind with you. And you might cry a little bit as we're talking about this. We might (laughs) cry with you. (laughs) Yeah, man. So, uh, so I want to break this down I'll name them off and Ryan, you can kind of jump in with me here, but let's talk about even the pre-share. You are you're. If we're talking about EFT, if you're familiar with our model, we're probably we we have done a good move one. We know their cycle. We've done move two. We've deepened and distilled the emotion, and we're kind of like this is almost move like what I think George almost called it like two B or something like that, right? Is you're getting ready? You know, I'm moving towards move three of the EFT tango, where I actually get them to do the enactment or the share. And so George really he says in the pre-share, there's a couple things you need to do. One, ask yourself, is the emotion that you want them to share, the emotion or the attachment longing, or even just the, the despair that they feel in their protective move, is it organized and is it actually alive in the client? Meaning, we're not talking about something distant in and off next week. We're not talking about something they just hope for, but that's not even real in them. Is it organized? Does it make sense to them? And is it alive in the client right there in the room? And so George, he'll do that quick summary. of. So let me make sure I get this straight. When this happens, that trigger, right? This is what comes up for you. And this is how your body responds. And then you try and deal with it by doing this. But even when you do that, it leaves you in this place where once again, there's just deep sorrow. And what you do with that sorrow is, is you just swallow your voice. Because you feel like no one will hear you. Am I getting that right? Man, I can even see it in your body right now. Your shoulders are going down. Is that sorrow? You feel that sorrow right now in you? Like, yeah. It's just like this heavy rock on me. Okay, all right. All right. We got it organized. We're getting it to clear. The client's feeling it in their body right there, right now. And then, and then George does this other move that was interesting to me. And then he says this. What would it be like? For you to turn and look your partner in the eye right now and share with them that when this deep sorrow comes up i get scared that you will understand so i just swallow my voice what would it be like to turn and share that with them it's scary scary. and then george goes into this part too after he does that he assess how does it feel because he wants to know is this risky because what george wants to know is are we doing something new that they normally can't do? So he's like, oh, if this is scary. I'm actually helping them do something that's behaviorally different, that's changing for them. And then he'll go into this one. He says to bring the therapist into that moment. Don't leave them alone. You be that stronger, wiser, other that comes alongside them in that moment. And he'll do something like, I can feel the heaviness of this moment too. And it's even scary for me because I don't even know how that's going to go. But I'm right here with you. Ready? Ready? we need this is what we need to do you've not been able to tell your partner about this sadness and so what i really want to help you to do is to help your partner know about this sadness that you feel and that when it looks like you're shutting down you're just swallowing your voice because you're you're scared about will they be able to understand it if you shared it with them and even there what george is doing is he's being explicit about this is why we're doing the enactment we're doing this Because you need your partner to be able to understand. I want to help them be able to come and be in that place with you so you don't have to be alone. So that's the pre-share part. Right? Anything you would add to that, Ryan?
0: Yeah, a couple of things here. Nice job. It's really important. It's good for me to hear this. You know, I think um, there's a couple ways you can mess this up. (laughs) At least two. You know, you can be like me or you can be the opposite of me. Both of them might be bad. You know, like me, when I'm about to set up an enactment, my risk is I use too many words okay right and if i if i take you 16 different directions mm-hmm. now i've kind of inadvertently mopped up the emotion mm-hmm. right so i have to be careful when it's enactment time it's okay to be me but when i'm getting towards enactment i need to be more concise okay i need to be clear yeah, yeah. so so can you turn and let her know about the sadness as That's opposed to talking a lot about why why is your enemy as you get closer to enactments or you can be the opposite. Maybe you're more introverted. Maybe you don't use very many That's words. Right. That can be risky, too, because that can also not get very clear. That's right. So trying to find that middle ground, enough words to get – pa- in enactments, we're passing primary emotion.
2: Wow, I like that. That's like what that. we're going for. I like that,
0: right. So, so we, even like
2: in that example I gave, can you turn right now and say it's scary for me to share this sadness with you?
0: Exactly. And, can, and and even then, so can you turn right now and share about the sadness? My preference is the last word they hear from me, is the emotion I want uh, responded to.
2: I like that cleanup part. I like yeah.
0: That. And as and when you're looking for which emotion, sometimes you have too many emotions. Sometimes someone gives you eight emotions. Wouldn't I that be put nice?
2: Two in that one, right? I put scary and sadness.
0: Yeah. Well, so which one are you going to pick? Well, the way I was trained, I like this way to think about it is past the one that is most most likely to get a response. So if someone gives me condemned, they feel condemned, and they feel really sad, I'm probably going to choose sad. Because condemned is also good, but a little bit of accusation in that. right? The other thing that just really quickly, to me, it's a debatable thing on whether you should ask, what would it be like to share about this sadness? I agree. My answer is, if they're partially de-escalated, it's a great move if they're not de-escalated i'll never ask that question because i just want an enactment to happen and sometimes we can get so technical they just don't happen so i'll take more enactments with less setup than more perfect setup and less enactments that's Mm -hmm. what i see a lot in supervision people like i hadn't done an enactment yet eight sessions in i'm like you're waiting for too much setup they don't need to be a big dramatic moment every time those are bonding events enactments also happen early on The only other thing I would say is the worst thing we want to be is more the same. Mm. So if you've talked to Nicola Mm -hmm. 19 times about sadness, I don't want you to to do the same one again. So I need to find out, is this a risk? I need to ask you the question, can you feel it right now? Where is it in your body? And if your answer is, I don't feel it right now, don't enact it. That's right. Reset yourself and reorganize. We need to pass it hot, Mm -hmm. as Sue Johnson says. We need to pass it hot. It needs to be in the room, alive in the room, in the body. That's where attachment
2: happens. I love it. And even what you're seeing, what we're talking about now, you see all these like uh, different nuances that each person can bring. Because I think George might say, even that asking like, what would it be like right now? He's almost assessing, is this something like, oh, this is normal. We do it all the time. Sometimes that's not true though. Right. <laughs> anyway, don't buy the hype on that one. Anyway, a yeah, block, that's yeah. awesome, y'all. And I love that when you add it too, though. That's a good little nuance. Let that, the thing you actually want them to be able to share, let that be the last thing you maybe say that comes out of your mouth. Yep. I like that one.
0: Because when I turn and my eyes hit my partner's eyes, all the attachment energy comes online. And a, and a significant percentage of that is that sort of limbic protection. So it's really common for people to forget what they're supposed to say. Yep. And it's common for them to go back to a safer, less risky thing. So if I turn and say, Can you do you think you could share this? So can you turn right now, here today, and share about how you how it lands for you when you're so sad? Can you tell her about sad? Mm-hmm. Yeah, Just like the clarity it. of that.
2: I love it. All right, so that's the pre-share. Now we're getting into it. You've asked them to turn and share. One of my favorite things I, I like to notice, and it happens a lot with my clients, going to what Ryan was saying, I asked them to turn and share, and almost inevitably – a high percentage of the time, they turn, they swallow, and take a deep breath. But what George would say in that place or definitely, you know, and I've even seen Ryan do this in his lives, they lean forward. <laughs> I've seen, Le- I watched Leanne Campbell, she does it. I've seen you, uh, uh, even Lisa Palmer. I was watching the tape with her. It's like I see all these, tra- and they lean towards the enactment. It's almost like, here we go. <laughs> and so it's, be. And what they're doing is, this is kind of like our training here is be ready for blocks. That person might mistrust doing it. So be ready for it.
0: That's a great observation, James. I've never even heard said that way. Nice job. Yeah. I mean, I, I can't even imagine doing an enactment without leaning forward. Like I can't fathom that. Like, every once in a while, I'll see someone trying to do EFT across a desk or across a table. Um, exactly. I wish you would see James's face like, whoa, what are you doing? No way. I'm leaning towards them also for proximity. I'm trying to say I'm with you, uh, and I'm trying to I'm trying to model this is important. This is intense.
2: It goes back to what we just said. Bring the full therapist fully into you
0: the You bet. Process. You bet. So you know if you're somewhere and you're used to doing therapy across the room, we probably need to get you a wheelie chair at least for these moments.
2: <laughs> All right. So be ready for the blocks. And once again, we've talked about this several times, and I want to make the plug for vulnerability dot com. Where George Ryan and many of our team we're working on helping cl- helping therapists with these different micro moves and these things e- that we really think will revolutionize your practice. You can check out their video training programs where you also get clinical examples over at successandvulnerability.com. But be ready for blocks. And we you've heard us say it on this podcast. So you probably already can say it right now. What acronym do we use when we're working with blocks? C P R that they probably are going to block it and be ready to catch it that when they block it. They might try and deviate to another topic or go to an exception. So be ready to catch the block and give protect and give permission for that block. Their hesitance to turn and chair. Right, 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 right. And I get it. Just like, you know, we were saying on another podcast. Yeah. You want to kind of just make sure this other piece of information is really important because it plays into what happens in this place when you can't get res- your response for your, your sadness. So of course, there's a part of you that wants to go and talk about that now to help make things feel a little bit safer. Even right here, right now, where it's scary to talk about that. But can I come back to right what we were doing? You're even saying right now, like you can feel this this fear to turn and tell your partner about that sadness. Can we just make sure that we can help you get a different signal for that sadness this time to have some success here with that sadness for a moment? Can we do that? And what it is is I want to reset it back to the point we were working at. And for me, it's like, and what George is kind of saying there is return back to the enactment if you can, right? Any thoughts there? Let me see what else was in there. Oh yeah. And then also once again, what you find out is you might have to slice it thinner. Maybe it was just too big. It's too much for them in that moment you might reset and they still can't do it. And so we can slice it thinner. Meaning maybe you go with something that's a little, maybe, okay, so maybe can you just right now, just even if you can't talk about this deepest, darkest pain that you've ever felt, could you even just say it's scared to, uh, scary to talk about this? I'm slicing it thinner. But the key part is do it.
0: Yeah, for sure, for sure. Don't wait until it's so good that you just don't do it very often. Again, I'll take a lot of enactments over one good one any day. Because remember, what we're trying to do is to train a muscle. Bonding in some ways is a skill, it's a habit. And if you get used to doing 25 enactments, even if they're just okay, that starts to become contagious. And we start doing that at home, particularly in the cycle. So I'll take 25 average ones over one or two great ones. I'll take both and we're gonna try for both. But if I have to choose, just one thing I wanna say is it depends on where you are as well. That's right, that's right. So if, if I'm in session three, And I'm in my first three or four enactments with you and you give me, you give me, you know, frustrated and maybe you give me panic. You know, the first time I set one up and you say, and I say, can you tell her about panic, Mm -hmm. this panic place for you? And they turn and they say, and they say, I just get so frustrated. (laughs) First of all, notice what just happened. Uh All right. But you know what? I may let that go early on because we're just trying to get them doing something. Just get them talking to each other. That's what's got to happen. But, but in session 14, no way. I'm going to come back and say, hang on just a minute. I so appreciate what you just did. There definitely is frustration, and this sucks. And I so get that. But I want to just come back for just a moment because I want to make sure we get some clarity. Mm-hmm. It's not just frustration. There's also some other things going on. Mm-hmm. Can you talk about the sadness or the panics? So there's the reset. Mm-hmm. If that gets blocked, remember we're on mission. Once there's vulnerability in your room, our mission is to stay with that until it gets responded to. Mm -hmm. So if it's a bad day, and those happen, um, and they can't talk about panic, they can't even talk about frustration, they're just stuck in blame. I'm still going to try to get the responder to say, I don't think I can do this today, but I do care, and this is just really hard. Can you just tell them it's hard? Mm -hmm. So you can slice it really, really thin. Because some response is still better than no response.
2: And i think what we need to do now ryan is i need you to help me like i think we can add in this what it looks like at different stages in therapy i mm-hmm. like that idea mm-hmm. that's good y'all future podcast See, once again, this is the this is where learning this is where eft is so beautiful and i'm thankful for the pioneers like sue and gail and allison lee where they've created this model that is so dynamic and so growing and even as we met with sue even yesterday she is always asking people let me know how this is going she is this even after all these years she continually wants to grow and get better I agree and i'm like she's sue johnson what are you doing she cares man she's that's, good that's right 100 anyway so we like that all right so last uh, last section here the post share so maybe they've done it that, so not maybe they have done it and we're at some point now they've shared what do we do at that point right one we catch their vulnerability Thank you so much. I can see how big and how heavy that was once again. Once again, you told can me- Can I
0: totally it. mess you up? Go for it. I'm sorry, man. I just had one more point I wanted to make before we go into post share. Okay. And it's really for both the pre-share and during the share. Okay. You know, I just did an intensive for like, I don't know how many hours, more than 16. And we did, I don't know, 30, 40, 50 enactments, some small, some big, as we get further along. As we get further along, I'm just listening for where is their tolerance today and do I have all of it? Mm-hmm. So, I, you know, I want to go as deep as we can today. Mm-hmm. It's kind of my barometer, as deep as we can today. If I get a sense they can go deeper, then I either want to set up a second enactment or stay with the emotion a little bit longer in the pre-share.
2: I think that's what worth saying. I like that, man. Uh, Thank you for bringing that out, Ryan. Really appreciate that. So here we are in the post here. So now they've shared, we caught their vulnerability and like, man, thank you so much for what you did there. I really appreciate it. This is big. And I could just see how heavy this was on your shoulders, those body markers, right? Then once again, that, you know, we're really still, we're still leaning into the process because now we've just done it. This is where we talked about our podcast. We are on mission (laughs) and what we've done now, we've asked them, they've given their vulnerability And now we have a responsibility to get a response back to that vulnerability. Primarily, we want that to be from their partner who is the most important attachment figure in the room. And if the partner can't do it, we will do it, right? We do not let their vulnerability drop to the ground. So here in this part is what kind of what, you know, something that's famous that George has taught in the different community in the EFT community is read the traffic lights. In other words, we're assessing the partner's ability to respond. And that's where we talk about the red light yellow light green light one the red light is that uh-oh something completely blocks that partner's uh caregiving system adult attachment relate uh, to uh, stuff there their caregiving system meaning that part of the partner just can't show up to respond and not only can they not respond but maybe they might be firing off of a few daggers there because it just catches them off guard not that they're bad people or that they're insensitive For, you know, a classic one, a pursuer might be like, I've never heard this before. Why is this just coming out now? This doesn't make sense to me. You know, you've never done this. Wait, hold on a second. You got to jump in and block that. We won't go into the details of it. Or a yellow light might come up. And the yellow light just saying there's a slight bit of mistrust, but that doesn't mean it's off track or confusion. But we might still be able to convert that yellow light to a green light. Like, hey, this might catch you off guard here. But this is the parts work that we really learn, right? You've always wanted to see this part, but there's a part of you that's not really sure. Is like, is this real? I've not gotten to see this part this before. But that part of you that has always wanted to see this and to be there with your partner in this place. What would that part of you say to your partner right here as they share this fear with you or this sorrow here? But the key is, is is it a green light? If it's a green light, just go for it. Just just let their attachment system do what it's supposed to do. Go back. Play it. Play it exactly. Trust the process podcast we just did, right? Um, they see it, they feel it, and they want to bring comfort to it. And so we, let me let
0: me put you on the spot. You ready? Oh man, here we go. Which light should you be most ready for, and which one is the most likely?
2: Ooh, I like that, Ryan. What comes to my mind is... Uh, you
0: like, don't maybe have to rank everything. It's terrible.
2: Yeah, that's okay. Uh, yellow, I, I would think. Now, I'm scared as my body is scared as of red, but I think yellow seems the most common.
0: Definitely. I would say, I don't know, 80% of responses are yellow. That may be too low, mm-hmm. but you definitely want to be ready for red.
2: That's right. One. If
0: you're prepared for the worst case scenario, you can always work back. Don't let a red light surprise you.
2: If you want more work on how to deal with red lights, module three of successandvulnerability.com. There you go. <laughs> All right. Uh, but once again, post, share, that you go for it. And then the key, I like what George says is, if you've done a good job and you have like, how is it right now? And I probably didn't say it clearly in the beginning. He does, and an, not just George, I say that, but I've seen several EFT trainers, definitely Leanne Campbell. You know, they check for body markers. Leanne, her famous words is, and so wait, let me check right now. Where are you feeling this in your body right now? It's in my gut okay and what is your gut saying here and then leanne will come back right around after she's got after they've done one of these moments and look can i just check back in this is you kind of this was in your gut earlier what are you sensing your gut right now because what you want to do is believe once again attachment is not just something that's cognitive it is real and experiential and so if there's signal that body is sending a signal if the body got the signal back and was able to take it in there's probably going to be somewhat of a shift in their body. So we want to check if there was a shift. And so then we'll, that's the post-share. Yeah, if
0: the pain is in their stomach, we want to complete a mission and check back in their stomach.
2: Yep. And not yep. just for that person, but you know what mm-hmm. I love about it, Ryan? Totally. Especially, and it's, it goes several different. Well, no, I wouldn't just generalize it. But pursuers and with jars, they're like, I was like, did you know you had the power mm-hmm. to affect that pain that hit your partner? Mm-hmm. That literally right here in this room, you their body shifted because of what you did that you're that important to them
0: and and that answer will always be no <laughs> always you may tell you why i know that yeah cuz if they trusted it they would do it when you saw your partner in pain if i trusted in my body that i can go to them without solving it or talking them out of their protection which is what most of us do if i can just go comfort you and i believe it's going to work i would be doing it the fact that they're in, your, they're in your office cycling says the comfort is blocked. That's right. That's how I got my nickname. Big comfort. Right. And so <laughs> it, it, it that's always going to be the case. And it's so key that you ask that. Did you know that just touching his hand changes his whole body's neurochemistry?
2: Yeah. And it, right, I love it because like what I sometimes hear come out of that is and this is why they're linked together. This is where you know there's an attachment bond there. Because all of a sudden I'll hear a couple of phrases come out. Sometimes for the pursuers it's, no, I never knew that. All I saw myself as is I'm the nag. I'm the source of his or her problems or their problems. Or further with withdrawals, sometimes what I end up hearing is, no, I just always thought I could never get it right, that I'm not enough. Whew. But today, what you just did right here, right now, move five of that right, is now there's a whole different view. That really it's not that she's mad at you all the time. Well, she's mad, but what's really is there is not because it's like you're horrible. It's that she's scared. Is that she's scared, right, that it won't do this this. Or then also now you're getting a different view of yourself, that really you can be a place of comfort, of safety, of healing. This is where she most needs you. This is where she most mm-hmm. needs you, that she actually needs you. Mm-hmm. She's not trying to chastise. You're important. You. She need, you're important. Mm-hmm. And now this changes the view of your relationship mm-hmm. here too. That you two are both need each other here, because you've always wanted to know that you could get it right with her. You want to be able to be there for her, and now she get you got to experience him as someone that could be dependable, that could be safe. Whew, man, you two are doing big things here. Man, that's awesome, right?
0: I want to jump in just uh, to wrap up here on yellow lights. It's funny, you know what psyched you use is interesting over the course of someone's career. You know, the, the better you are at process, the less psych ed you use, I think. Or, or more concise, but maybe a better word than than less. And I do use a lot less psyched than I used to, even though I've still got a lot of room to grow. But I talk a lot about, we could do a, a podcast on this sometime. You know, what psyched do you use? When to use it and when not to. But I do a lot about, um, or not a lot, I use some on how your attachment style impacts your order of connecting. Is one of my favorites. And the second one is really just what we're talking about with yellow lights. I find this to be very accurate and really, really helpful for people, which is actually more important to me than even being accurate. And that is this. The experience of intimacy in the real world is always yellow lights. It just is. Even if you're in a relationship with someone you love dearly, and you've not even hardly had a fight, and you're on your honeymoon, and you just had great sex or whatever, there's still this part of us that doesn't want to be hurt. That's just natural. And so we love in parts, and that is okay. What you'll find with clinically distressed relationships is they don't see it that way. They think they've either got to be all in, and their partner should be all in or nothing. And that creates cycles. And the more times you're in cycles, it just it just f- feeds that messed up belief mm. that we're supposed to love completely unconditionally at all times. And it's like, that's just unrealistic, you see. So when people have been hurting so long, they increase their standards of how it should be to the point where it exacerbates the very problem. Mm. So I think it's really important that we honor. We all love in parts, no matter how much the person means to you or how, how it's going there's just a part of your body that says check on that or don't show that or hesitate or don't be too excited don't let them see that you're too excited you know play it down mm-hmm. that's just normal and the more people can honor that that's okay the more flexible and curious they become next thing you know we have even more enactments to do
2: man Y'all, thank you so much for turning into the tuning into this portion where we talk about one of the some most significant interventions that we really have in EFT and that's these enactments. And so we hope that this is something that could just be a guidepost for you. And hey, if you got a different something that you want to add in and make this richer, the reason why we're able to do these nuanced micro moves in EFT is because of Sue and her team and ISAF, the trainers, also the supervisors, and all of you out there that are practicing, that are always asking questions and sharing new things that you're learning as you sit with real relationships in distress. So hit us up on social media and say, hey, I'd like to add in this part here on pre, post, or during, and maybe we'll get better too, and we can include it.
0: We appreciate you, you inspire us, and we'd love to hear from you uh, about future directions we're gonna go.
2: Sure, thank you so much.
1: Thank you for listening. We hope this experience helps you push the leading edge in your work to help people connect with themselves and with each other. Please subscribe to our podcast and leave us a five-star review. You can contact us at pushtheleadingedge at gmail.com. And you can follow us on our Facebook page at Push the leading Edge. You can follow Ryan on Facebook at Ryan Rayner Professional Training. And on his website, Training.com. You can follow James on Facebook and Instagram at DocHawkLPC. You can also check out his website, DocHawkLPC.com.